Hi there, and thank you for listening to the Dream Center Peoria podcast. On this episode, our executive director, Andy King, sits down with recording artist Martin Smith to talk about life, family, and music. Releasing today is Martin Smith's newest album, Iron Lung. Be sure to find it wherever you listen to music. To learn more about Dream Center Peoria, visit us online at dreamcenterpeoria.org or on social media at Dream Center Peoria. And uh, we are going to sit and chat and just do a bit of an interview on uh, where he's been, his journey, who this man is. He writes amazing songs and you see him on stage, but um, just wanted to go through a bit of a, a journey, if that's okay. Is that, is, that, is that good? It's tough if it's not. That's what we're doing, so. It's, um, it's too late now anyway. You're here now, aren't you? So you're going to have to sit through this anyway. That's good. Well, let me, um, my, my, uh, I remember the first time I ever heard Delirious, which is, uh, Martin was the lead singer of, uh, and started, how many years ago was Delirious actually started? Well, we, um, we, we were all in the same church uh, in, on the south coast of England in a, in a small little village called Littlehampton, all right? So it was actually called Littlehampton, but in the end, uh, a big sound came out of a little village, and uh, that was 1992. We started a youth event called Cutting Edge. Every month on a Sunday, we would gather all the young people in the south of England, People were coming from all over the south, and we would just worship like crazy. We'd turn the lights off, uh, turn the music up loud, and, and it, was, it was a real youth movement uh, in the early 90s in Great Britain. And out of that came new songs. Uh, what, the first one we started with tonight came out of just, I think we might need a new song for next month. And so... You know, it's like, oh, what, what do we need to sing about? Okay, let's sing about the mountains moving. And come on, let's see, you know, uh, our lives set on fire for God. So that's what was happening. And then we did that for five years. And then we felt that season was coming to a close. And out of that, we, we then started traveling and we became delirious. Yeah. really did. We did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Uh, and so um, I had moved to America. I remember... Uh, Dave Jane, I don't know if he's here tonight or not, fellow Englishman, but he gave me this can. And it was uh, a can, like a boot polish can. You remember when you used to polish your boots? Yeah. But it was the CD size. And uh, I remember this cool packaging on the side. It said, uh, break seal for the spirit to come out, you know, and you, you opened it and you were ready and at the time, I was really into you too. And if you've heard the delirious stuff, you know that there is a definitely uh, 80s, 90s feel of you too. I'm not insulting there. That's, that's good, right? No, carry on. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah. I am so, oh, sorry. And um, I remember hearing that CD going along War Memorial. My wife was with me, and I said... This, this is incredible. This is, I haven't heard anything like this coming out of the church. And from that, um, for me, I started a journey with you guys. Um, uh, at that time, I was on the radio on a Sunday night. 
doing the House of Faith, and they allowed us on WCIC back then allowed us to play whatever we could. So really, it became a delirium hour, to be honest. That um, and and uh, it started impacting my life. You guys from that, um, I know there was a serious car wreck. That you want to explain that because that was really like the jolt. Yeah, it was. I'd been married um, a couple, uh, just a year to, to Anna, and um, we were travelling somewhere in the middle of the night. And yeah, I did. I, I crashed my car badly and um, nearly killed myself, and uh, was in hospital for two weeks. I broke my leg and various other things. And it was while I was in there that. Um, I felt it was one of those moments of, okay, I've got my life back. I'm going to give this away. What am I going to do? So it, it was a pivotal moment of five families doing this youth event and then suddenly, right, okay, we're going to go for this and give our lives everything we're doing. We're going to give it up and just go for this. And then that was the beginning of the band. So it was... Um, quite a big thing we had three months to decide whether we were going to do it and, and amazingly and I remember everyone coming to see me in hospital and I was like come on are we going to do this and then we had three months to kind of sell stuff and pack our businesses up and get ready for the new, the new season and you did it different than the normal band the normal band is like wanting to get signed get a big label you guys went completely the opposite way. Yeah, we did. We, we felt like we had some of the skills within the band to make records, uh, put them out ourselves. I mean, in those days it was CDs, right? So we would make CDs and post them to people and get deals with record stores. And, and we just thought, well, why don't we just like, go direct to like, the record stores rather than use a label? Right. And so it was a lot of fun. I don't know how we got away with it, but um, we, <laughs> we did, yeah. Of course, when we came to America, it, it, was, it wasn't so easy. You know, you need a, a bigger yeah. framework. But. but in the UK, you had huge success. I mean, not just in... Because back then, I, I explained this to a lot of people, when I was living in England 25 years ago, there was no Christian industry. There was no... Christian bubble, if you yeah. want to put that. And no st- Christian radio. Still isn't really. Still right. isn't. Yeah. And and so, the way you got your music out, I remember uh, being over in England at, at a time when I think King of Fools came out, mm-hmm. and um, it got into the what we would call the secular charts. Yeah. Tell us about that, because that's. I mean, over. Okay, let me just put my American hat on. Okay, over here, a lot of Americans. Christians frown on Christians going secular. But yet in England, because of the way the culture is, uh, I remember way back when Amy Grant did a secular song in the charts in England, and we were like, we were like yes, finally, there's a Christian in the charts. And, and so it was like the complete different opposite way than over here was it was a, a monumental time and that opened a lot of doors for you guys with tours and things tell us about that journey yeah well I think you know we live on a small island you know so it's a different thing altogether you can't survive as a musician or a band unless you 
try and sort of impact the, the nation that you're living in. So it's in our DNA a little bit more to sort of want to be in church and outside of church at the same time. And, and that's just in our culture. And, you know, believe it or not, our church leaders will be like, yeah, go on, go for it. You know, why don't you release a single in the charts? And, and we did that. And um, all these Christian kids were, were going out and buying this music and getting it up the chart. And they felt like they were part of a, like a, like a people movement of, we're seeing revival in our nation. Uh, it wasn't really about us selling singles. It was just about these kids believing that we could be history makers, change culture and influence it rather than just follow. Right. So that was really amazing. And we all had that sense. And so we, we ended up doing some crazy things like um, actually playing gigs inside record stores on the high street. Wow. So it, I don't know, it'd be like playing at Tower Records or something in New York. And we, we, we would set up and just go for it. I mean, we'd be like playing our worship stuff and there'd be people buying U2 records and thinking, who the heck are these guys? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, did, we, we played uh, in an HMV store on Oxford Street once and like, over a thousand kids came. And the record store was just like, what on earth is this? We were just like, hey, this is the church. <laughs> it's okay. We're just going to do church tonight in your record store. Wow. And you got to do some, some big events. I mean, you opened for Bon Jovi uh, and Brian Adams and a few others. The Pope, is that correct? Is that <laughs> yeah. Right? Tell, yeah. Tell us about Brian Adams and the Pope. Yeah, about the same. Um, yeah. Um, I didn't meet the Pope, unfortunately, but... Um, he was like sort of 10 feet away and I sort of waved um, <laughs> as he went past but yeah they the, um, the, the, the Pope does these big things doesn't he in you know big uh, youth gatherings and this one was in Germany and there were a million people in the field I mean that's, that's not an exaggeration a million people and so um, I'd like to say that they were all there to see us but Unfortunately, they were there to see the Pope. Yeah, um, but we can keep that between ourselves. Yeah, you can, yeah. You know, but we did we did play, and um, it was just like a sea of people. You know. Wow, it was amazing. Then you came to the states, um, came here two thousand uh, three. Yeah, we did did it earlier. Um, that was the night. I don't know if you remember this. That was the night when. We didn't used to have these chairs here. And this was one of the first gigs like that I was responsible for. And these boys are coming from England. Matt Redman was with them. And I was like, we are going to pack this place out. It's the British invasion. That's how we, we did it on the, <laughs> on the radio, the British invasion. And back then, the chairs that are in the balcony that are the original chairs from 1903 when this building was built used to be down here, Right. And so we used to get 1,600 people in this venue because they were smaller chairs. I really wanted to get a crowd. I don't know if I, you know this. So I actually, we actually printed 1,800 tickets and we sold out. That night was the night, I don't know if you remember, where I, I had to come out and tell you to tell everyone in the balcony to stop dancing because we could physically 
see the balcony moving. And the aisles were packed. I mean, we crammed every, everyone in here. And that was one of the first events we ever did here at Riverside. And I've done many, many more since. And you guys came uh, three times uh, over the years. And, and what was so memorable is that it was the first time we'd ever played in America where we got served up roast beef. And oh, like yeah. Yorkshire pudding and, like, all this English stuff, you know. Yeah. So we felt at home immediately. But we had all our kids with us, right? Yeah. And tell us, I was going to talk about the family. Yeah. Tell us about uh, your family. I think we've got a picture we can show oh, uh, of the family. Um, I think it should be coming here. It's coming. Yeah. Oh. 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 That's half of them. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. Um, but, but there was a, we'll get, we'll get the picture up, but there was, there we go. Oh, there we tell go. us who we've got on there. Okay, we, we don't normally dress like this, right? This isn't how we dress every day. But um, this is my daughter's wedding, actually. Uh, she's in the middle. She's married a guy called Tom. And um, so they're, they're doing great. But in the red is my wife, Anna. And she's just an amazing character. She's the sort of heartbeat of our family, really. And, um, and then we've got... So we've got two boys and four girls. And... Um, the the youngest one in the front is uh, is Mary, who's 11, and that's this is no exaggeration. That's the only time in in the last six years that she's worn a dress. Uh, we cannot get her to work wear girls' clothes. But she's a great football player. Yeah, she right? plays soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she's part of the Brighton Academy. And, wow. So, yeah, so we, we have a mad life, it's chaotic, and, you know, there were, there were seasons whenever the kids were off school for, you know, the summer, we would bring them to America, and we would tour here, and uh, b- because it was longer than 10 days, we just would bring everybody. And the 10 days thing's significant, right? Yeah, we had a rule that we, w- we would never be away longer than 10 days, and uh, we actually stuck to that in the whole of the 17 years. Wow. And if it yeah. was over 10 days, everyone came. Yeah, everyone. Which, yeah. I don't know if you understand this, when they came here with the crew, the kids, it was like 40-odd people arrived yeah. with the Delirious tour. It was, and it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was. it was five families, 16 children, and, um, <laughs> and then all the crew. And so it was pretty mad, wasn't it, as, yeah. you, as you found out? Yeah. Um, what you see on the stage here with Martin, <clears throat> um, it's been a big thing for me that whoever we bring in, uh, that they're the real deal off the stage. And um, through the journey of my family and Martin's family, um, we, went, we went through a season where we actually uh, lost a daughter. And it was, it was very hard season. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the phone call from mine. Closing the delirious offices down for the day of the funeral. And praying for us. And 
all the guys were contacting us and it wasn't, it wasn't just about the stage, that's what I'm trying to get at. It was, it was about friends. <clears throat> and, and, and God had a crazy plan in all that. And I, I know Martin will remember this, that happened in the, the April. And we had Delirious coming every other year. And they called us and did all that. And then um, the following April, I think it was April, uh, the band were coming back. And I remember the band pulling in, Martin getting off the bus, <coughs> serious face on his, uh, serious, uh, seriousness on his face, came to me, hey, is your wife here? Yeah. And you guys had had, uh, on, on the flight over, uh, Anna had had a, a miscarriage and, uh, because we, have, we had knit together through that the year before Anna and Teresa and me and mine that day I felt was a bit of healing for both of us and, um, and so I just wanted to share I wasn't meant to get emotional sorry but, um, but I just wanted you to know that what you see and how Martin writes these songs and everything that he touches it's not so that he can get the name or the glory, but that he wants to give God the glory in whatever he touches, including friends. And, um, and so I want to thank you for that. And, uh, but but in, in talking of family, where are all you guys at now? I know Ellie uh, is in Nashville. Yes. Uh, yeah, my oldest daughter is making music, and she's got a great voice. And that's been amazing to see her grow. You can find her online somewhere. Her, her, she married a guy called Tom Limebear. Okay. So her name is Ellie Limebear, L-I-M-E-B-E-O. So it's quite an unusual name. An incredible voice. So, yeah, she's great. She's, she's a good kid and got really worshipful heart. And um, they're, they're all starting to sort of dabble in music. And Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. That's good. It's great. Um, so you made the transition though a few years back mm. that um, Delirious was coming to an end about yeah. 10 years ago and you felt it was time to, to put that down but then God's been stirring mm. a new thing in you. Mm. Tell us about that journey, like going from Delirious that's known, you know, around the world yeah. to now having to not reinvent yourself but you know, everyone knew the name Delirious. Yeah. You know what I mean? T- yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it'd be the same for some of you guys, you know, like um, you've, got, you've got kids growing up and whether you're a travelling salesman or you, you know, you, often people that work are away um, or even if you're at home, it's busy, isn't it? It, it doesn't matter what we do, we always seems to be busy. And I, and I just knew that the there was a cost to it. There's a cost to everything that's great, right? I mean, you can't, can't have it all. You can't do something that people love and there not be a cost to it. So we, I was away a lot, and um, that, was a, that was a big pressure on our family, on Anna. Um, and I, I just got to the point where I realised that I'm not going to get my kids through their teenage years very well at all if I if I'm just away all the time, and I could see that uh, in my boy was eldest son was was ten, and I could just see that slightly slight disconnect 
and I just thought I, I don't really I don't, don't really want to want to do that. So um, it sounds like a huge decision, but it was actually quite a simple decision. I just thought oh, I think we're done. I just woke up one morning and I said to Anne, I think we're done, and um, and that's what we did. And, and yeah. that decision, I mean that. That was a family decision for you, right? I mean, yeah. explain some of the dynamic. Well, there were five families involved, and um, my wife has two older sisters, and the bass pl- the keyboard player was married to one of them, and the drummer was married to the other one, and the bass player was Anna's younger brother. So it was a real family thing. So to make a decision like that is affected everybody. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so yeah, I do miss. I miss. Um, if I'm honest, I miss the impact. Part, you know, being part of something that had a, a big impact. You know, we would arrive in a city and it would be a, a big thing. Um, so my ego struggles with that, not having that sort of in my toolkit. You know, right, right. but but actually, in the last ten years, God's sort of been doing other things. Yeah, a bit more in the shadows. And um, you have to trust that God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm friends with all my kids and I'm still married. That's good. And uh, so, so I think I did all right. Yeah, you did. You did, you did. Um, one of the things that you did a few years back was a thing called Compassion Art. Um, and, you know, I'm going to let you talk about what happened there, but um, what I loved about that was how you... you you showed the world how there's an importance between compassion and worship, how they both work together. One isn't for outside the church, and one's inside the church, but they actually work together. Can you share a bit about that? And, and yeah, I mean, I mean, we all, you know, we all know those passages in Isaiah. You know, what this is your true worship. You know, it's to break the chains of injustice and help the poor so you know what we were just doing singing together is is a really important thing but it's only part of what we do isn't it if if we just put our hands in the air and then that would that would only be half of the the idea of worship but really it's sort of serving the poor and uh, seeing broken people you know, made well, hence the dream centre in this guy. So, yeah, we, we had this crazy idea of gathering lots of songwriters from around the world and um, a lot of people from America, actually, and we, we gathered for a week and we wrote loads of songs and I managed to convince the managers and the publishers and the labels to release all of those people. And we now have a charitable trust that those songs sit in and they receive royalties and um, we did some crazy things like you know it's sort of um, you know paying for some orphanages to start and a project in Brazil they needed a boat to get kids to school across yeah. the river and we bought a boat and yeah. just some amazing stuff but all, all from those songs Yeah. and so it was very fulfilling um and, and, and I think there's something else to come now. So. Yeah. So, looking into the future for you, um, where do you see yourself in a few years, without giving too much of the tricks out the bag, but, uh, but where, you know, where do you see 
things moving forward for you? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, that's a difficult question, isn't it? I'm sorry. Um, wow, I stumped him. So, wow. Um, apart from coming I, back to Peoria I'm, in yeah, like a year or two I, and doing it. I'm, I'm going to be putting out a, a new record in May. And um, so I'm excited about that. So there'll, there'll be some new music and new songs. But, but possibly the bigger picture is trying to maybe harness some of the energy in the worship world to really sort of um, do some damage in terms of compassion. Yeah. You know, that there's a lot of money floating around in the music industry. And so I feel like um, I'm going to sort of try and sort of get hold of some of that and bring it in to do some 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 sort of educational music project, um, maybe government related, where it's in the syllabus of schools and poor kids can get access to music and art. And, uh, I, I, that's that's what's on my heart anyway. So there's something brewing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Well, we want to uh, thank Martin for just sitting and chatting with us. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Dream Center Peoria podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you know of anyone that would be interested in hearing about what we just talked about, we would encourage you to share this episode with them. Be sure to stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks. Thanks.